How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another episode of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson, episode number 21 for us. On today's show, we'll have some throwback stats for you. Uh, We're going to go through division by division, look at the leaders in each division in the American League and the National League, and compare the teams and their nice starts to different types of alcohol as we kind of review how they've gotten here to this point. Then we're going to get to our shotgun six-pack as well but first things first as we always get the show started with dusty what are you drinking today yeah well we uh the day of recording this is uh june the second in recording so we've officially hit summertime so this is my first ever outdoor podcast uh we're talking about the weather is perfect out here in san luis obispo so the only way that i could go about this any other direction uh i have a tangerine wheat beer Uh, i've never had this before somebody recommended this to me it's made in eureka california um and uh the the description just for you says skip the lemon in your beer tangerine wheats for a summer taste sensation you can enjoy all year long and uh all right let's let's give it a swig and that is a bottle, not a can, just for clarification. Honestly, really good. It's a 5.2% alcohol. Uh, this is 12 fluid ounces. Um, just by the initial sip of it, it's very light. Um, I'm not a huge wheat beer person normally, but this is actually something I, I like what I'm doing right now outside, just enjoying a beer out on my porch. Um, it, it's pretty simple. It's kind of like how you would end your day. So I would say it's more of kind of a, a late in the lineup, but solid producer. So how about comparing that to any player in the league? I'm going to have to look at a deeper lineup. Uh, this is, I'm going to go with your mean. Uh, this is a pretty decent comparison to it. And uh, also there's a picture of a tangerine on it. That's kind of got a fat face and your means maybe not the skinniest human being we've ever seen. So that'll be my, uh, my comparison at this point. It's really good though. I like it. I am drinking a Boulevard Brewing Company beer, which is Kansas City Brewery. It's called Space Camper Cosmic IPA. Okay. And uh, it's about 5.9%. I don't know why I said it's about. It is 5.9%, and it is delicious. It tastes good. It's uh, it's not an overly bitter IPA at all. Um, so – I would definitely recommend if you're in the area or you have a way to, to get this one, the Space Camper IPA. It looks like it has like Wendy from Wendy's um, in an astronaut suit on the, bo- <laughs> the bottle or the, the can. 
So oh, that's actually really, that is a super close comparison for those of you that are at home. I mean, he's not kidding. That does look like Wendy. I, I'm not even joking. That might be the original Wendy as well. So, okay. Yeah. That, yeah it, 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 it looks Wendy really after good. Dark. Who, who's the MLB comp? I don't even know if I have a player for it specifically. I'll just say it is, it's a nice triple. Like this is a, this is very good. How about this? This is the Jonathan Sanchez triple against the Padres in the 2010 game 162 of the season. It was a wonderful triple. Um, Jonathan Sanchez, you will always be a hero in my heart for that and helping the Giants <laughs> clinch the division against the Padres in game 162. And then the team would go on to win the World Series later that year. Speaking of throwing it back to some old baseball stats, how about our baseball stat of the week? Uh, this past weekend was obviously Memorial Day weekend. So Figured we'd tell a stat about not just a former baseball legend, one of the baseball goats, but also a World War II vet. If you're kind of picking up what I'm putting down, that would be Ted Williams. Williams missed his age 24 through 26 seasons, which are, you know, prime time for hitting uh, for World War II duty. But he returned after missing it for three years in 1946, immediately won MVP. Maybe his best game was on July 14th of 1946 against Cleveland. He went four for five. With three home runs, four runs scored, eight driven in, and the team that year went 148 in the games he played. At one point, get this, Ted Williams that year had a 76-game on-base streak. Yeah, unbelievable. They don't make him like Ted anymore. Uh, and uh, what, a, what a throwback, too, knowing that he served as well. Um, Derek, I'm going to do a shorter throwback for you here. How about back when we had our last 162-game season in 2019 – I want you to look at the month of June specifically, okay? We're just focusing on the month of June since we're entering it this time around. Who in 2019 do you think led the league in OPS and ultimately in hitting in general for most of the categories in the month of June? Well, I know it's not Ted Williams. Um, know, Mike <laughs> Trout. That's a pretty safe guess. You know, it, the reason why I'm looking back on this is how quickly – you know, the player field changes over time. And so Charlie Blackman had a 1.276 OPS. He had a 412 average, 10 home runs that year in that month, particularly his slugging was 835. Now Derek has Charlie Blackman now on his fantasy team and you're not quite reaping those stats, are you? (laughs) The other one, how about pitching? Okay, Derek, throwback 2019. Think about who really succeeded in this month Two years ago, who do you think is the pitcher that had the best ERA, the most wins in the month of June, and the most strikeouts? They got they checked all of those boxes. I feel like if this was obvious, you wouldn't be asking me. So I that wanna that makes me want to eliminate like Jacob Degrom or like a Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole guess. Is it like Charlie Morton? No, that's actually a pretty great guess. Uh, The reason why June is so interesting in 2019, this is when you saw the resurgence of the eventual World Series champion, Washington Nationals. And on top of that, you can kind of credit Max Scherzer to have been a huge reason why. The man's still throwing gas to this day, but back in June of 2019, get this, he had a one ERA flat. Okay, one ERA flat, 
went 6-0 and in the month of June with 68 Ks, had a .67 whip, and the hitters were hitting 156 against him. You talk about guys they don't make anymore. I don't know if we're ever going to see another Max Scherzer type pitcher. And it's crazy to see the transition. Charlie Blackman kind of falling off a little bit. And Max Scherzer maybe not putting up those kind of numbers anymore. Uh, but still, to see how the transition is just two years later, it's pretty crazy. And something interesting that I noted with Charlie Blackman. So he hit 10 home runs that month. There, there were three other hitters that hit either the same amount or more. So Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in 2019 hit 10 home runs in the month of June. The 11 home runs was the lead for that month. And so 11 home runs, not a shocker here by Manny Machado of the Padres. But the one that really blew my mind was Edwin Encarnacion of, at that time, the Yankees. Yeah, interesting to look back on these, both Ted Williams and uh, even things two years ago. It's crazy how the game changes in such a short and long period of time. Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier on today's show, we're going to take a look at the teams with the best records in every division, talk about them a little bit, pair them with a comparison for a type of alcohol or alcohol-related event. You can kind of get creative as you want. We'll start in the AL East. Tampa Bay Rays, so far to this point in the season, the Rays have ousted the Red Sox after a hot streak of late with the Yankees, a bit of a slow start. They're uh, even further behind. 35 and 21 to this point for the Rays. What is your comparison for Tampa? Tampa Bay is essentially absinthe at this point. They really sneak up on you fast. Uh, in fact, absinthe usually hits you pretty immediately. The Rays didn't quite do that, but they turned it around very fast to the point where they are as scary and as dangerous as any team in the league at this point. You know, at the start of the year, I was saying this team's not even going to make the playoffs. All of a sudden now, it looks like they're going to win the AL East again, and they could be a World Series contender or favorite again. I mean, you know, it's weird to think about that the 2020 World Series had them in there because I think a lot of people can Counted them out immediately. They are scary pitching offensively. Rosa Reina looks like he's turned it around a little bit. Glass turned into a true number one starter. Um, I'm curious to see what happens. And on top of that, the pitcher of the month was none other than Rich Hill. So the ageless wonder continuing to do big things this time in Tampa Bay. They were 13 and 15 after May 1st. They lost to the Houston Astros. Since that point, when they were 13 and 15, they have gone 22 and six, if my math is right. It is just incredible the run they're on right now. They also had that insanely long win streak from May 13th to May 24th. I would compare them to a flaming Dr. Pepper shot. Have you ever had one of those? Ooh. Oh, I have. Those are really awesome, actually. They, they hit you too, they hit you immediately. So I don't, I've never actually had one, but my wife was describing one to me. So I, I think I'll get this right, but I, I might be wrong. I believe it is a shot, and you put amaretto. You put 151 rum in the shot glass, and then you have a, a beer glass with really any type of beer is, is what I was told. And then you can light the shot glass on fire. The 151 rum is flammable, so it'll catch fire. But then you drop it into the beer glass, and that obviously takes out the fire. I don't know what the fire actually does here besides maybe looking cool. Um, it looks really cool. It. Yeah, so it's basically like an Irish car bomb, but apparently it tastes like Dr. Pepper. One of the coolest things is when the uh, bartender will dip their fingers into the actual alcohol and then blow the fire over the shots. I've seen it and it's unbelievable. Uh, it, it's like a masterpiece. So you're basically paying to watch them do that. Yeah, but that has been banned since COVID. You can't blow on <laughs> other people's drinks. Um, so Dang anyway, it. they hear the Dr. Pepper shot because it tastes really good. You don't really sense any issues with it. 
And also, they're on fire, just like the Dr. Pepper shot. So that is my uh, Tampa Bay Rays comp. Okay, on to the AL Central, your Chicago White Sox. I have to compare these White Sox to a four loco. Okay, first of all, this is a pretty youthful team. Granted, Eloy and Luis Robert both being out, that kind of takes a little bit of the flair away. But there's still a lot of energy with Tim Anderson. You still have a, not a youthful, but a reigning MVP and Jose Abreu producing. Um, your mean, your Mercedes was very fun to watch until Tony La Russa decided to step up. And so that's where the four loco comes in. You know, it gets you energy. It's, it's kind of a cheaper drink, but ultimately still does the job and hits you hard. But then there's a major crash. And I have a bad feeling with this team that Tony La Russa is going to be the man providing that major crash. And, and he kind of already has. If you see what he's done or what your mean Mercedes has done since the comments made by La Russa, he's completely trailed off. And so, you know, it's a good team. I think they need their players to come back healthy if they want to be a World Series favorite. Uh, and I think they can. But I'm a little concerned because La Russa, to me at least, has lost at least a grip of that locker room. They've had players speak out against him, and it doesn't seem like it's been pretty. Uh, but, hey, they're still in first place, so good for them. Uh, it's just a little bit of a dangerous situation there. And Four Loco is super volatile, as we all knew, <laughs> as early college students. Yeah, I remember as a freshman in college, we had a couple snow days, and we, we used to make, like, Four Loco slushies. It was it was a good time, but but definitely dangerous. You're playing with fire. Probably the worst mornings in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. With, with the White Sox, you know, you're doing all this despite the fact that Tim Anderson is hitting well, but he's not, like, slugging at a high rate that we're used to seeing. Um, you know, Moncada, Abreu, Yermin Mercedes have provided so much for you. And obviously with uh, Luis Robert getting injured along with Eloy, it's even more amazing what they've done. But Yasmani Grandal is hitting 131, which is – Still amazing. His OBP is 385, regardless of that. That one makes no sense to me at all. It does not. Andrew Vaughn has yet to really find his stride in the big leagues. And then when you have those injuries as well, and you see Tim Anderson and the slugging being at 417, you think that there's still room for improvement of this offense. But the alcohol that I'm going to go with here is Everclear. It's, it's kind of similar to, to your idea. It's potent. It's super powerful, just like the White Sox are. They have a lot of power in that lineup and mix the right way, you might not even notice some of the negatives there, right? If you mix Everclear into some nice punch, jungle juice, whatever, you might not notice it. But unfortunately, if Everclear is not managed right, which who knows if the White Sox will be managed right with uh, Tony La Russa, it might turn into an absolutely dangerous time. And that is kind of how I feel with the White Sox right now. On to the AL West, Oakland A's. At the time of recording this, A's are in first of the division. They're only half a game up on Houston, so I guess we can just give one for each just in case by the time this comes out, um, either of them could be in first place. So uh, why don't you go ahead and give us a start off with either the A's or the Astros. Yeah, I'll start with the A's. And uh, Jim Beam Bourbon just seems right for them. You know, it's not too expensive. Uh, it's a manageable and a Coke and whiskey Coke, and it gets the job done. It's not particularly sexy. You're not walking around saying, man, guess what I'm drinking? I'm drinking Jim Beam Bourbon. But, uh, you know, I want to take a look first at Bassett, uh, the starting pitcher for the Oakland Athletics that up until his last start, 
has been completely dominant. In his most recent start, though, on June the 1st, uh, you see the calendar change, and he only went four innings. He had six strikeouts, but he also allowed four runs and did not last very long in that ball game. Prior to that, though, he posted four quality starts out of his last five starts that included a complete game uh, shutout against the LA Angels, just his previous start of nine strikeouts. Bassett's been really good. He's one of those pitchers, if you look at fantasy purposes, I don't think a lot of people really had their eyes on him. He, he's had a low ERA for most of his career right now. It sits at 353. Um, his whip is incredibly low, though, at 104. And so his K per nine, 80 strikeouts and 74 innings, he's been definitely doing the job. I think offensively, they have some really underrated pieces, and specifically Ramon Laureano. Uh, this guy is as underrated as any player in the game. He's actually stolen eight bases, believe it or not. Granted, that hasn't happened at all in the last month. He's just been put on the IL, though. There may be a trend for the A's to fall off because of that, because he's been such a huge centerpiece of this lineup. And then Derek, you could take it away with this one, but Mark Canna has truly been an impressive piece for them. Uh, I'm not a diehard Mark Canna guy, but Derek very much is. And uh, so he's not the sexiest name in the world, but man, the A's keep finding these guys that produce, they get the job done, and they win ball games, even if it's maybe not the most amazing picture or roster that you'll see on paper. I've been saying it, Mark Canna, Kevin Euclid's 2.0. He's awesome. <laughs> it is a little worrisome that Matt Chapman's only hitting 198 right now. Jed Lowry's kind of cooled off since his hot start. Loriano's been playing well. Olsen's been playing well. But there's not a ton of depth necessarily on this team. The pitching, you mentioned Chris Bassett. He's been awesome so far this year. Outside of that, there's not a lot of like sexy names. Uh, maybe if you're if you're super into the potential of certain guys, you know, like maybe Shamanaya is is living up to the potential, but I I don't think his ERA is going to stay under four. Frankie Montas is a guy who, if you watch him and you just watch individual pitches or like highlights, you're like, wow, this guy could be a Cy Young winner. But then you look up at the end of every day and he's got a one four whip and a four and a half ERA. Jesus Lazardo and AJ Puck that just hasn't come to fruition. Whether it's injury, whether it's you know breaking your hand because of a video game, whether <laughs> it's just not being um, up to your potential yet because you're still a young guy. I, I'd like the bullpen for the A's, but I don't know. There's just something out there. They have a minus five run differential despite leading the division. So what I'm going to say is you mentioned the Chris Bassett complete game in the post game. He was being interviewed and he's tearing up. It's a really cool post game to watch because of just how much it meant to him. And he takes a sip of a Bud Light at some point and he goes to the person asking the question. He goes, oh, you're making me drink because it's making him kind of tear up. So he drinks the Bud Light. That is the A's. They are Bud Light. It has its uses, but it's only going to take you so far. And it's a cheaper beer. The A's, we know, are a cheaper run organization. I like it the A's. Sense. It's a good story. You know, I think, again, there'll be a team who finishes above 500. But with the negative run differential, I'm not totally buying the fact that they're going to kind of stick around here. Well, the Houston Astros are obviously the other team that could potentially win that division. I think on paper, it makes sense. The Astros have been shockingly inconsistent, as inconsistent as any team in the league. Uh, the series with the Rangers a week back was not particularly pretty. And then what do they do? They go on and take two from the Red Sox heading into what we're doing, talking about them today. Uh, they split with the Dodgers. I mean, there's just not a lot of consistent wins strung together for the Houston Astros. And also... Obviously, with that series against the Dodgers, I think that's the first time that really they've heard from opposing fans uh, about what happened in 2017. And it, it's obvious with the team as well, but you don't expect it to get much easier than this for them uh, to handle that kind of situation. 
their whole situation is kind of under fire. And so I'm just going to throw a fireball out there for them because, you know, you take it down, it, it doesn't taste that bad, but it also can really affect you in different ways that, and I've had personally different trips based off of fireball itself. And I think the Astros are kind of going through that where it's just inconsistency time and time out and fireball one night might hit them harder than others. Uh, the Astros definitely offensively, they still look pretty solid across the board. They lead the league in average, uh, but the bullpen is really a problem for them. So I'm curious to see what happens for them moving forward, because I think between the A's and the Astros, I know Oakland has some injuries specifically Ramon Laureano, but I think Oakland's in a better position just because they have a little bit more cons consistent pitching. Uh, we don't know if Trevor Rosenthal will come back this year. I don't think he will. Uh, if he magically does, though, that's another added piece. But between these two teams, if one's going to make a trade at the deadline, you would assume Houston would be the one to address their issues. You should have saved the fireball for Oakland because then it could have been Mike Fires' ball. <laughs> That was a terrible joke. But anyway, if it's Houston. I still um, laughed. I still laughed. I'm, I'm not, I, I appreciate that. I'm not going to actually give them a, a type of alcohol. I'm going to give them, I think the Astros are a really good beer pong player who is gone a little cold this game. They're rimming out a lot of their shots. They're hitting the cups, but they're just not falling. Uh, because the Astros are the only team in the AL West, the only one who has a positive run differential. And not only is it a positive run differential, but they're tied second in the entire American League with their positive run differential. Yet they are half a game back, at least at the time of recording, of the A's. So, again, the process is right. I think they're bound to win the division. The results just aren't there as of yet. And also, kind of like a good beer pong player, you know, they're going to come up clutch and hit the last cup. What have we seen from the Astros over the past couple of years? They have come up clutch in those moments, whether it was last year with a lower seed, making it all the way to the ALCS, whether it was making – uh, the World Series or going on some other deep runs in the postseason. They've kind of shown the ability to, to play clutch there. Okay, on to the National League. In the NL East, the New York Mets are currently leading the division. What is your comp for the Mets? Yeah, the Mets are the classic Grey Goose vodka. And the reason why is, okay, to me at least, and you may disagree, uh, the listeners may disagree with me, but vodka is vodka okay i don't have to have a fancy vodka to be able to have a good time you could give me smirnoff or you could give me gray goose and to me there's just not that huge of a difference okay but you're spending way more on gray goose well that's kind of what the mets did here uh in terms of bringing in francisco Lindor. they do have key pieces obviously jacob Degrom being the main guy the main show but he can only go once every five days this is a good team Okay, I would not want to face them in a wild card matchup. Right now, that would not happen uh, because, of course, they are in the division lead. Uh, a little worried about the Phillies. I think the Phillies are better than people realize. Uh, but the Mets, to me, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, I guess is the best way to put it. I just don't totally believe in this team. Um, I think that there's a lot of value uh, within what you see on the field. Pete Alonso has been hurt. I think when he comes back healthy completely, maybe we'll see a change in the offense. And of course you have Conforto that's been hurt. There's a lot of injuries, a lot of big names that just haven't really done a whole heck of a lot. And so to me, I think that, yeah, you have a great goose value. You got a great team. That's a little bit expensive. Uh, you paid the price for these players and yet you're seeing teams put up similar numbers and, uh, the Oakland A's kind of just come to my mind first of the Rays, where they don't spend a ton of money, yet you're best, basically getting better production than what the Mets are doing right now. And so it's interesting to watch. I think that it's, it's not a bad team. There's a reason why they're in first place. I think that they can be scary in a one-game playoff. 
But at this point, I don't believe in them, and specifically Francisco Lindor. I, I think that he is going to be a huge regret for them uh, for the money that they spent. So it, it's going to be interesting to monitor. There's just a lot of these hitters that we were expecting a lot from this year that it hasn't come to fruition yet. Uh, Jeff McNeil hasn't really been able to refine his success from 2019. He's got a 242 average for a guy who you can live with the no power, but that's what he's supposed to be a high contact guy. And if you're hitting 242, that's not the case. Michael Conforto has a 692 OPS. Dominic Smith, who I thought was going to have a really good year, has a 689 OPS. You mentioned Francisco Lindor. It's a 617 OPS. They just haven't gotten that going. And it continues to be the same old, same old. When Jacob deGrom goes out there, he's not always getting victories. He has only four wins this year in eight starts, despite having an ERA that is under one. Like, how is that even possible? You should be winning more than half your starts when that happens. I, I like the pitching, you know, Taiwan Walker, Marcus Stroman have done well uh, to go with it, but I'm not sure they have as much depth with those four and five guys. And with the offensive kind of struggles that we've seen from some of those guys, I'm not sure how long it'll last. Maybe it's something that turns over the course of the season. So I would compare the Mets to buying the bar a round of drinks. You know, everybody's extremely happy, which everybody should be happy right now. The Mets are winning the division if you're a Mets fan. But what happens when you see the cost in the morning on your credit card statement? If you bought everybody at the bar a round of drinks, that is a lot of moolah that you weren't <laughs> intending on paying. That's how I feel right now unless Lindor and some of these other guys turn it around. If the other guys turn it around, then this first is sustainable, then they are a legit contender. But like, for instance, if Lindor doesn't figure it out and now you have Syndergaard snag trying to come back from injury to go some of those other guys, you are on the hook for the long term for Lindor, just like you're on the hook if you buy everybody around the drinks with your credit card at the bar. Okay, in the NL Central, this one may be a bit of a surprise. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are leading the division. Yeah, I never saw this coming. Uh, I actually picked the Cubs, I believe, at the start of the year to finish in second to last place. So, yeah, you could call me, you know, say this is my one big miss of this year because I, I don't think any of us saw the Cubs doing what they're doing right now it is unbelievable and maybe that's because the central's not that strong or maybe the cubs are sneaky good i, I it's hard for me to still figure out i think the identity is still a little different difficult to figure out as well so the comparison i have here because of the collective group that the cubs have okay they have good pieces i mean you have the classic chris bryant anthony rizzo javi bias all the guys that were on that 2016 World Series roster, they're still the leaders of this team. But then you add Jock Peterson, who's shockingly been really productive over the last month or so. Um, you add the pitching has been all right as well. Uh, somehow, some way, the collective unit surrounding them has worked really well together. I know wisdom has come up and uh, has kind of taken off immediately from his call-up as well. So it, it's been interesting to watch. The drink that I have to compare these guys, we could almost – call this a drink it was introduced to me uh by a good friend of mine amir hassan at a uh, wedding that i was at uh, about a month and a half ago it's hennessy and lime the combo shockingly some way works and, and with this cubs roster i don't know what it is like there's the core which would be hennessy and then you add these little tiny pieces to it as well like wisdom uh and and the lime just kind of sinks in and it makes it a quality drink and so somehow some way the cubs are showing out in a way that I never personally saw coming. Uh, you have the Cardinals there too that are right in the running for that first place 
uh, ranking. And honestly, I thought the Cardinals were the team to beat in this division. And so you have the Cubs that it's kind of a weird Island of Misfit Toys situation. Uh, for me with the Cardinals, it's very different. Uh, Casey Butcher, another, another throw out, another shout out, if you will. Um, she takes pre-workout amino lean almost before every single time she goes out to a bar. Can't explain it. Don't know why she does it. It gives her, yeah, I know it's, it's insane, right? And so we're putting her on blast right now on this podcast. I told her we would. Um, but so she will take literally a shot of just pre-workout, not mixed with anything, sometimes maybe water. But then she told me once upon a time, she took pre-workout with Truly. And I kind of think that's what the Cardinals are right now because there's a lot of power involved in pre-workout, okay? That gives you a lot of energy, but then you mix it with alcohol and and there's kind of a problem there. And I think the Cardinals have been mixed with injuries. I know Jack, uh, Jack Flaherty just got put on the IL, but then also when you think of pre-workout, you also think about going out and doing the actual workout. A little Tyler O'Neill shout out. I have to do this. Tyler O'Neill has been the most productive player on that team uh, after coming off the IL. I mean, the way that he's been slugging, he's the 99th percentile in uh, speed alone and expected slugging. He's a hundredth in barrel rate. He's fourth in K and whip though. So, I mean, it's literally hit or miss for him. Uh, his max exit velocity though, 113 miles per hour. He doesn't walk at all. It's like a ton of highs and a ton of lows. He has a gold glove already under his belt. His OPS right now at 0.927. He's been ridiculous. Okay. A lot to unwrap there. And yeah, the Cardinals are, are not far behind the Cubs. So that could easily switch over, but what the hell? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't mean to judge, but. It's pretty bad. I, I have constantly wondered, and that's, that's why we're doing this shout-out right now. So Casey will be listening to this part. And, yeah, Casey, you're on full blast right now. On, uh, yeah, listen, Casey, I'm, I'm sure you're a very nice person, but you need, to, <laughs> you need to reprioritize some things, including your pre-workout choice before you go out to bars. Anyway, um, similar to Tyler O'Neill, a guy who just smashes the ball but doesn't walk would be Javier Baez. It's amazing. He has a 294 OBP, yet he has an 800 OPS. And they have gotten kind of the nice uh, bounce back seasons, or maybe not even bounce back, but nice performances from Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant this year. Chris Bryant definitely been a bounce back from his 2020 season, so much so that it's allowed for some of these other guys to kind of just fill into roles and do well in spurts. They have been completely killed with injuries, but like Matt Duffy played well um, when he was playing. Uh, Nico Horner, Jake Marisnik both played well when they were playing. I, I don't really buy all of these performances. You mentioned Patrick Wisdom, like how long is that going to last? But the one thing that I do think is going to last on this team is the bullpen. They've been shut down so far. Craig Kimbrell and Dan Winkler have kind of led in that regard for this team, but they have a bunch of other good arms in that bullpen. The starting staff still doesn't do much for me. Like Kyle Hendricks, I think, is better than his stats right now, and they actually have been improving. But like Jake Arrieta, Zach Davies, Trevor Williams, those are guys where where they are right now is kind of where I expect them to be. I have been – Pleasantly surprised by Adbert Alzale, so I will say that he is starting to maybe even look like their best pitcher, or at least among the starters, which is good for them. But I, I just still feel like they don't have enough firepower. Regardless, I'm comparing them to Orchada. Um, they might just have, you know, the right mix with their core performing well enough. Whatever gets mixed into Orchada, the like milky, cinnamony, alcoholic goodness, and maybe all those guys come together that they're able to make something special. But the thing with Orchada is this, it doesn't last too long. And I'm not saying it's not going to last too long through this season. 
It might last through this season. The Cubs could be a legit contender this year. I just don't know how long it's going to last in terms of they still haven't extended any of these guys. It seemed like they were trending toward being a seller at the deadline, but now obviously being in first, you're not going to be a seller at the deadline. But what's going to happen once we get to the offseason? It seems that ownership was just content with not re-upping these guys, and it's going to be short-lived. So Orchada, you you can't really leave it out in your fridge for three weeks. You can't leave it out for a year like you can with a whiskey bottle that'll age nicely or a nice fine bottle of wine. But for now, it's good. Just don't think it's going to have much staying power. On to the last division, NL West. San Francisco Giants currently leading that. Earlier before we were recording today, the Padres lost to the Cubs. So that secured that at least by the time we get this out, the Giants would still be ahead of the Padres, maybe just barely. Uh, so what is your alcoholic comp for the Giants? One thing that we don't do on the show a lot is talk about wine. Uh, if you think about that, we really don't do that often. So I'm going to throw a wine out for you. And there's Apothic Red. Okay, it's a classic Merlot. And it's actually pretty good. It's relatively cheap. And the Giants are kind of in that same situation where it's a winner. Um, you're not going to go to the grocery store and buy the most expensive wine bottle. This team, though, flows pretty well. Like the grapes are pressed pretty easily, and uh, I, it, it's a good drink. I, I could sip on it easily. I'm not having a problem with that as well. Uh, it's rather light, and, and the Giants, they don't have the heaviest hitting team, right? But they get the clutch hits. They did that against the Dodgers this past week, taking three of four from them. And the pitching has been absolutely phenomenal as well. They've been like a fine wine. Uh, and so Kevin Gosman, I mean, that guy is in the running for a Cy Young Award uh, right now in the National League. So, yeah, the Giants have been looking really solid. Um, I was a little concerned about them after they got swept by the Dodgers. You know, our previous podcast, we said there was a massive gap between the two teams still. And I, I don't know if there's really that massive of a gap. And you're seeing the Giants are ahead by two games, you know. And so – uh, to me, at least, I think this team's legit. Uh, I think that the Apothic wine, uh, red wine, is legit. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see what the Giants can do if they can keep this thing up because I do think they're going to age well. Anthony DiSclefani scares me a little bit, and Alex Wood blew up in his most recent start. So that's a little bit concerning. But overall, I think that it's flowed pretty easily for them. They haven't really had a ton of attention. I think they've held their own just fine. It's crazy to boil – down a 162 game season or however many we've even played um, and the success of it to one play. But that Mike Talkman grab on the Albert Pujols home run, I think changed so much for this team because you were looking at, if you lose that game, I think being 0-5 against the Dodgers. And instead Correct. you end up winning that game, that catch kind of leads it off. And then you win the next two after that. I, I think at least for the now, like that, that changed a lot with this team. So for me, the Giants are a nice bar pretzel with no salt or dipping sauces, at least for now. Wow. Um, you're, you're still going to eat it. You know, it's still warm. It's it's not hard or anything. And it's still going to be good, you know, especially if you pair it. You're at a nice German bar and you have a nice soft pretzel with a nice German beer, but it's still missing That's something. Great. It's missing that salt. It's missing that if you like mustard to dip it in or if you like the beer cheese to dip it in. Because uh, the Giants have been really good, but no one's expecting them to keep up to this level of the Padres or Dodgers even now. So unless they make that acquisition, which is definitely possible at the trade deadline, if you go out and get that beer cheese, you go out and get that salt for your pretzel, maybe uh, you can find the best version of yourself, like a nice bar pretzel. Okay, on to our shotgun six-pack. Number one, 
What type of alcohol drunk was the Javi Baez play against the Pirates? Okay, I had said absinthe already, so I can't use that again, but I didn't say Everclear. You did, and that's the hardest alcohol I could think of that's not absinthe at this point. And so, yeah, it was – I mean, I, it jungle juice. It, it really was. I've never seen anything like that. And I hope I never see anything like that again, but I kind of want to because I think I rewatched that play like a 100 times that day. Just step on first, dude. Just step on first. It's that simple. You played baseball for how many years? But besides that, the, the best part of the play is Javi Baez signaling safe to the guy coming in home when in reality he wouldn't have actually been safe if they just tagged the bag anyway. Um, but he ended up getting to second base from there. So I will say what type of alcohol drunk it is. Every type of alcohol. They took 20 shots. They played shot roulette and took different shots of everything. That's how drunk it was. Uh, number two. Who would you say is the manager of the year? Yeah, uh, looking at just the current group of, of managers, in my opinion, um, I think that you could make a true argument for David Ross. Um, I mean, the way that he's been able to help the Cubs stay afloat, that's, that's a really great unit right there. And Bob Melvin, to me, is another one that I think could get that. Uh, Kevin Cash is a pretty obvious candidate. I don't know if he's a winner for me, but I think David Ross is my favorite right now. I kind of wanted to go with Kevin Cash. I know he won it last year, so that's kind of boring. But just after everything he dealt with from the blowback of the Blake Snell stuff last year, at the end of the year in the World Series, and then coming back this year, they go on the hot streak. And doing it with – they still haven't called up Wander Franco or Vidal Brujan. I kind of want to go Kevin Cash again. So uh, we'll just give that to him. Uh, number three, Cody Bellinger's TikTok for Flonase, which you need to look this up if you haven't seen it yet, would – you actually buy the product, the Flonase product that he's selling because he's promoting it. And also, I mean, if we want to talk about levels of, of intoxication in that video, like he's, he's on the scale somewhere. I saw this video and it wasn't even originally from his TikTok. I saw it on Twitter uh, because Mookie Betts had woken up and he apparently had an allergic reaction and couldn't play that day. I have never seen Cody Bellinger like, obviously, he's had his moments where you think he's stoned. This, this is a different level. Like, he, he must have found a way to get high off Flonase. I, I can't figure it out any other way. Go on Cody Bellinger's TikTok. It's just so abrupt. It was one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. No, I would not buy it. I would, I would do the opposite. I'd be like, what is this thing doing to you? <laughs> it's not right here. It's some, something with the brain cells, I swear. Number four, if the Toronto Blue Jays make a postseason run this year, Alec Manoa will be a big reason why. Derek served this one up to me. I love Manoa. Uh, I picked him up in our fantasy league about two weeks before he uh, got the call. And man, what a dominant first start he had against the Yankees. But it, that guy has absolutely filthy stuff. I think he's Lance Lynn 2.0. And yes, I think he's going to be a key reason because the Blue Jays really haven't had a ton of consistent starting pitching. Manoa could end up being their best pitcher by the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. He could end up starting game one for them in if it's a wild card round or if it's a postseason series, if they did make that. I mean, it's you're really going uphill battling against the Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox in that division. So who knows if they'd even make it to the postseason. But this dude is is just a baller. If you can get him in any fantasy league, like do it now. Um, he was killing it at AAA. All of the analytical numbers and like the stuff numbers on what he's throwing look really good. So I'm a big believer in Alec Manoa as well. And I, I do kind of agree. I mean, Robbie Ray's had a nice bounce back for the Blue Jays too. So he really maybe has. he would slot ahead of, 
of him there. And, you know, when you have Hyunjin Ryu, who was top three in the Cy Young a year ago, maybe you put him at the number three. But that would be a, a really solid one, two, three, if they can make it uh, back to the postseason as they did last year in the expanded playoffs. Number five, Jacob deGrom should be the current front runner for NL MVP. Quick note, he has given up four earned runs this year. He has knocked in three driven in of his own with the bat. <laughs> yeah, DeGrom has been unbelievable. And we saw Clayton Kershaw win the MVP several years back. Uh, and DeGrom's numbers this year are even more impressive, shockingly. I mean, uh, the other thing that's crazy, DeGrom is five pitches that he's thrown are the fastest five pitches in the league. Uh, and obviously everybody likes to favor hitters in the MVP run. And Fernando Tatis Jr., obviously with the numbers that he's put out there, even with his injury, I mean, he's still, it should be at least a consideration to be uh, one of the favorites for MVP. So it's tough. It's tough to have DeGrom and Tatis uh, going head to head and Ronald Acuna Jr. kind of in that run too. I mean, there's a lot of great names there. Counterpoint, Jacob DeGrom over a 900 OPS. So if we're talking hidden, he's doing that as well. It is just insane looking at all his stats. 14 and a half K per nine. He's given up 3.9 hits per nine innings so far this year. His ERA at uh, 0.71 and a 0.57 whip. Like this is out of this world good from Jacob DeGrom. I saw a stat too. Uh, it was like a screenshot on Twitter from – one of the broadcasts and it showed the numbers against him, the batting average against him each time through the order first, second, third. And as we all know, with analytics, it has very much come into play that most pitchers, they get worse the third time through the order. His was better the second time than it was the first time. And it was even better the third time through the order than it was the second time. This dude is absolutely insane. Yes. He should be the current front runner for NL MVP. Okay. Last one. Number six of our shotgun six pack. Universal Studios reportedly wants a Fast and Furious and Jurassic World crossover. Dusty, we're going to mash together two baseball movies. What two baseball movies do you want to cross over? I think this is a very easy answer for me, okay? So hmm. Sandlot is obviously one of my favorite movies of all time. There's a movie that I don't think a lot of baseball fans have watched. It's called Rookie of the Year and somehow cross those two over. I think it's a perfect recipe for just a wild movie in general. The Sandlot, you can't beat that. I, I think it's as good as any. The Rookie is also one of my favorites, uh, but Rookie of the Year, very underrated movie. If you haven't watched it, definitely do that. And I think there's a very easy cross between the two. What if you merged Major League One with Major League Two? Ooh, I like that combo, actually. I think what well, your storyline, your storyline's going to be a little flawed, and I kind of love that. <laughs> um, no, honestly, what if I merged, like, Major League with Mr. 3000? You know, you put okay. Mr. 3000 on the Major League team, and now there's budding heads about um, – you know, the owner that wants them to lose, she brought in Mr. 3000 just to try to get fans in the stands, but knew it would help them lose. I don't know. There's something there or combine something with like Moneyball, which is a real story. So then you'd be putting fiction into real life. That could be interesting. Um, I, I think, think Moneyball, the combo uh, with any movie, whether it's a comedy, whether it's a fiction or nonfiction, I mean, I, like Moneyball works for anything because you will always need that business side of things. You could make a, a comedy theoretically out of Moneyball. I mean, come on, the A's 50 feet of crap and then there's us. That's one of the greatest lines in movie history, in my opinion. So um, that, that movie for me is right up there with the social network, which I will always say is like the greatest dialect of all time. I, I can't get over the social network. Great movie. Maybe we should combine the social network oh with Moneyball and Major League to create the ultimate movie. I would kill for that. 
That uh, might be a worse take than uh, <laughs> drinking uh, pregame before going out. No. Uh, that is Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Audible. You can also follow us on social media at Booze and Baseball. Our email, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com if you have any questions or alcohol to review. Thanks to Mix Kit for the stock music. Thank you to Man Cave Merch for the awesome coasters. Perfect during the summertime when your drinks are perspirating. Is that even a word? Is I don't know. Perspirating. Something like that. I don't that. know if you want to perspirate. That sounds like they're sweating. Your drinks are I mean, not they sweating. kind of are. It gets hot outside and uh, the liquid's coming out the side. You want to protect your table, so use the Man Cave Merch coasters because they look cooler than any other coaster you can get. Drink responsibly. Very good point, Derek. Have a good one. Very good point. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Bye.